You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fabulous Feinstein's 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder, please take this moment to silence your cell phones. Also, there is no flash photography, please. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Mary Lou Henner. Welcome back to the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of Broadway's Supper Club. I'm Nella Vera, the Director of Marketing. Our guest today is a star of TV, film, and The Great White Way. On Broadway, she has appeared in Over Here, Pal Joey, Social Security, Chicago, and most recently, Getting the Band Back Together. She was also part of the national tour casts of Grease and Annie Get Your Gun. She began her film career in 1977 with Between the Lines and has since appeared in Cannonball Run 2, Johnny Dangerously, L.A. Story, and Noises Off, among many other films. She has also appeared in TV shows such as Evening Shade, Batman the Animated Series, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Most notably, she starred in the classic 80s TV series Taxi. Hi, it's Mary Lou Henner, and I'm so excited because you are listening to the best podcast, Feinstein's 54 Below podcast. Mary Lou Henner, welcome to the Feinstein's 54 <laughs> Below podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about doing my show. I can't tell you. But it's so funny what people introduce, what they say, you know, what movies they pick out and everything else and what, you know, it's like I'm always fascinated by what the choices are to say, you know, of the things that I've I done. I know. We should probably ask you yeah. to which no, ones okay. you prefer. <laughs> it doesn't but, matter. But these are all beloved uh, titles. Yeah. I have a question about your earliest theatrical experiences. In 1971, you originated the role of Marty mm-hmm. in the first ever production of Grease right. at Kingston Mines in Chicago. The Kingston and- Mines Company Store was the exact title of the theater, and it was actually a conververted trolley barn. And it was such a crazy experience. Is that what you were going to yeah, ask me? What yeah, it was go, like? go ahead. Well, what happened was I, um, I had a very unusual upbringing because my family had a dancing school in our garage and a beauty shop in our kitchen and art classes going on upstairs and a cat hospital on the roof. And my uncle also did astrology <laughs> readings. He lived up there with 10 cats, two dogs, two birds, a skunk, 150 fish, and his boyfriend, Charles. And so he was the oh, art teacher, goodness. Catholic school next door. We had backstage passes to Catholicism. I talk about this in the show, too, and about how I grew up, because it was such an unusual way to grow up. But as a result, people would call the dance studio, because we had 200 students between the ages of 2 and 80, including the nuns from the Catholic school next door who came over for stretch classes. You know, little community theater groups and high schools would call the house, the dancing school, and say, we need 12 kids for the king and I. And it's like, pick me, pick me. You know, we need two kids for South Pacific. Pick me, pick me. So I grew up in the Chicago theater system and did a lot of productions. And when I was 15 years old, I met somebody who years a couple years later called me and said Hannah I've written the show it may never get off the ground I wrote it about the kids I went to high school with you're younger than I am but you've got that Chicago energy and he said uh it's called Grease we're going to perform it in this converted trolley barn Kingston Mines so come to the first rehearsal so I went to the first rehearsal and there were two stacks of papers about 12 inches tall but between 9 and 12 inches tall one of them was songs and the other one was scenes. So he passed out the papers, and it was like, here's the book report scene. Let's read the polio shot scene, um, the pajama party scene, 
the beauty school scene, and you know, all these different scenes, and we fashioned it into Greece. Oh, and wow. so I did the original production, and the, the show was going to, some people from New York saw it, and they wanted to bring it to Broadway, and I thought, no way is this going to be a hit, because <laughs> this is such a <laughs> Chicago show. Yeah. It was 75% book and 25% music, and it just felt so Chicago. So anyway, what happened was people took it to New York. I was asked to come and audition, and I said, I was going to the University of Chicago on four scholarships. My father had just passed away, and I didn't want to leave Chicago. But then when I saw the show on a school trip to come to visit Jim and, and the other people that I knew, I wanted to kick myself, like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. Yeah. So then when the national company came up, he asked me to come and audition, and I threw my books in the car on my way to the library and went to the airport and auditioned and got the part. Amazing. And then you did it on the road for how long? <clears throat> I did it, well... Then I came, I, I did it for, well, it was not even a year. And then I came to New York as we were switching over theaters in Chicago. And they were cast, I, I met a girlfriend of mine who was playing Frenchie on the Road and then Ellen March. And she, she had me meet her at the thea a theater. And I went there and they were auditioning for Over Here. So I auditioned for Over Here and I got that too. Oh, <laughs> so great. the first two jobs that I had in my career were very easy to get. And then, wow. of course, there's always the struggle after that. Fantastic. But I did, I did Chicago, I did Greece on Broadway. I did seven. I've done seven Broadway shows oh altogether. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is the best story ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just right place that. at the right time. It's, it's really funny. Well, and also, if you're seeing Greece for the first time and never seen it before, you'd think, is this a Broadway show that is True. totally valid? Yeah, totally. You know? Well, you yes. And, know, oh, and it was so different. I yeah. mean, they did a revival of it a few years ago to just see what it was like. And I mean, there were so many goofy songs that they would never would never have worked on Broadway, mm -hmm. and so many inappropriate things that probably yeah. still wouldn't you know wouldn't yeah. have even worked then. Absolutely. Forget about being Absolutely. PC now. You know. Interesting. And it was tough. It was like a really, I mean, so much swearing. They really sanitized it. And the original mm. Broadway company was a lot more swearing than what you see yeah. recently. Well, I guess high schools across America, you had to yeah. tone it down. Right away. <laughs> yeah, of course. And it's so different from the movie. But So when the movie came out, they really changed, uh, you know, they brought some of the songs into the Broadway company the next time they did it. And, yeah. You know, things like that. Love it. So it changed it. a lot. Yeah. In 1977, you made your film debut mm -hmm. uh, alongside newcomers at the time, Jeff Goldblum, Lindsay Krause, Jill Eikenberry, John Hurd, uh, in Between the Lines. Yes. And I know that when it was released, it didn't make a huge splash. But then, as I guess as time has gone on, this movie has become very a popular. A little bit of a cult classic. Yeah. yeah. And I was so flattered because... Here I was, this University of Chicago girl, and even though I was doing, you know, Broadway in, in Greece and stuff, I, I played a stripper. The first thing I ever did on film, really, was I playing the stripper. It was like, ooh, yeah. thanks. You think I could, you know, be, like, sexy enough to do that? It was like, oh, yeah, wow. So I did research. I, I'm a real research person, so. That's so yeah. funny. Did you go to strip clubs? I did. I went to strip clubs. But more than even going to strip clubs, I interviewed a lot of the girls, and that's where a lot of my lines came from as the character, because one of them told me that she um she a certain power she feels up there and mm. she also her mother makes her clothes so i told jo joan mcclin silver that I, so i i had all this research and she said oh i love that use that as a line and everything that's hilarious yeah I, you know when i was in college i worked at a strip a strip club oh, answering you did? phones oh uh, because it was a comedy <laughs> have a good club voice. slash strip club uh -huh. so the strip club was upstairs the comedy club was downstairs or maybe it was vice versa 
and I would have to keep I would have to remember which line was which because I had to pick up and be like, hi, Comedy Cafe. Right. And then, hi, Archibald's. You know, so I'd have to I love that. Which sure. And then sure. people would say, and what's your name? And I would just make up the craziest and be like, my name is Bambi. And, oh, you know, they loved that. <laughs> oh, we got Bambi. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was like, what are sexy names? Like Vanessa, you know, <laughs> Sophia. Just come up with these crazy Right. You know, oh, that's so names. funny. I love that. But I remember the girls... A lot of them were GW, George Washington University students. Yeah. It was uh-huh. in D.C. Um, and they were just, you know, there to pay their way through school. And they were lovely girls. They were funny. Um, and they liked to dance. They, they liked to dance. Sociable. And, and, yeah, you know, I was, was surprised. At it the... was pretty clean. It was kind of a upscale. It was in the business dr- mm-hmm. district, so kind of like the Wall Street of D.C. Right. So, you know, it was just like a lot of lunchtime crowds. Right. Um, but interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's, did you, you know? know you want to hear something funny about the day that I flew, that I shot there? I I did it at, at the Metropole. We shot the movie in New York, and I had to finish my strip thing. So I had like three pairs of eyelashes on and glitter in my eyes and everything. I immediately got into a, a limo and went to JFK and flew first class for the first time in my life to Venice, Italy to shoot a ring around the collar commercial. Oh I was in gosh. British Airways and they <laughs> I was the only female in British Airways and I looked like the girl who was hired to come out of a cake or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like so funny. So I get to Venice and then shot this commercial for whisk detergent, which was a second and a half mood shot of Venice. I talked about this on 60 Minutes because they gave me the date, October 26, 1976, and I told them, I said, oh, that was a Tuesday. So anyway, so uh, it, it was a second and a half mood shot of Venice, and then the gondolier singing, of love I sing, tra-la-la-la, for you've got ring around the ka-la-la. <laughs> I say, my powder didn't work. It was a close-up on me. I was like a young married, you know. That's it's so funny. Amazing. So I, But I started that journey dressed like a stripper because I didn't have time to take my and ended up as a wholesome mom I know yeah (laughs) Um, well not mom yet newlywed newlywed yeah Yeah. did you know at the time that all of those people that you were in that film with between the lines would go on to be huge stars well no except I knew I well I my scenes were with Lindsay Krauss and Mm -hmm. John Hurt so of course they already seemed like stars to me but um (laughs) Jeff Goldblum as soon as I saw that I went he is going to be a star for sure and Jill Eikenberry she was fantastic and Gwen Wells Steve Collins yeah all of them what a great cast it was Jay Stadlin everybody was in there everyone and, of course, you're no stranger to working with star-studded casts. Right. In 1978, Taxi premiered, uh, where you starred alongside Danny DeVito, Judd Hirsch, Tony Danza, Christopher Lloyd, Carol Kane, Andy Kaufman, and so many more other mm-hmm. amazing artists. I don't think there's ever been a starrier cast than that <laughs> on all of television. I yeah. really, I Well, maybe Evening Shade, but that was a, just, that's a whole different story. Yeah. But, yeah. It was amazing. Can you give us a little insight into what it was like to be part of that cast? Well, first of all, um, I had had a contract with CBS, and they were looking for a pilot for me. So I was traveling. I was in Rio, and they called and said, we have a a pilot for you. And I said, I didn't want to leave Rio. And I said, I I can't read it. This is before FedEx and faxing and everything. So I said, oh, I don't know. And I said, what if I do it as a guest star? And they said, okay, great. So it was the paper chase. I had to come back. And so I was like sad that they, I had to leave my trip, but that was okay. So I left Rio, I went to do Paper Chase, and then I did, honored my contract and did a pilot for CBS. In the meantime, I was auditioning for things, and 
I auditioned for Taxi, but I was 10 years younger than they wanted. They wanted, I was 25 at the time, and they wanted somebody who could have a 16-year-old daughter because Goodbye Girl had come out and Unmarried Woman had come out and they liked the mother, teenage, young teenage daughter kind of thing. So they said she's really not right for Elaine because she's too young, but the more I kept coming back, the, the uh, casting director, Joel Thurm, kept saying, I'm telling you, this is the girl. She can hold her own with the guys. She's feminine. Men like her and all this other stuff. That, very complimentary. So they kept bringing me back. And then when Paper Chase tested, my little guest starring part tested higher than anybody. So they offered me a ridiculous contract. So my agents were able to say to them, look, you're going to lose her to Paper Chase. Make a decision. Because they kept bringing me back and bringing me back and testing me with mm -hmm. people. And so then they finally said, okay, we'll make her Elaine. We'll give her two little kids instead of, you know, one big kid. It was such a landmark television. Nominated for 31 Emmy Awards, won 18. Mm -hmm including three for Outstanding Comedy Series, also nominated three in a row. for... Yeah, it was fantastic. We did 112 shows and had 112 parties, and everybody <laughs> wanted to hang out at Taxi. Oh, it my gosh. Great. It was also yeah. nominated for 25 Golden Globes and won mm -hmm. four, and it's on the list of TV Guide's list of 50 greatest television shows, of course. Yes. It was unlike anything anyone had ever seen in that I think it was not only just funny, but also groundbreaking, dealt with the issues sure. that it dealt with, like addiction, single parenthood, sexual harassment. And I remember seeing it as a little girl and loving it and maybe not understanding Why quite. you loved it. <laughs> yeah, or even that there were these issues that right, sure. were so groundbreaking for television. Do you remember if there was any pushback due to the topics that well, it, it can addressed? Well, can I swear on this? Yeah. By any chance? Okay, the very first episode of Taxi, I don't know if you remember, we didn't do a pilot, we just did a first episode because yeah. they already had 12 on the air commitment. The very first episode was about, there's a broken telephone in the garage, so everybody keeps making phone calls all over, and Judd decides to call his daughter, who's been living in South America. He hasn't seen her since she was two. And now she's going to through Florida. And he, if he drives down to Florida, he can see her. So he does that. The guys all pile in the garage. I'm my first day as a cabbie, so I'm sending them off and all this. And as soon as Judd sees her, he says, son of a bitch. And they did not want us to say son of a bitch. But they finally gave in. And that was the first time that word was ever used on television. Wow. TV. Yeah, there was yeah. some pushback, but our writers were such from such a pedigree. I mean, they'd come from Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda and Phyllis and all the great things, Lou Grant, everything that they had done. And so they gave them sometimes a hard time, but our guys usually won. You know, I, I remember loving it and I, in thinking back about it, it was the sense of friendship and family yes. that they had with each other, the compassion that they showed to Iggy. yeah. Just. Well, that was supposed to be. I mean, he came in. He was in the eighth episode of first year. And that's it Christopher Lloyd. Right? Christopher yeah. Lloyd. And mm -hmm. it was called Paper Marriage. And he was in two scenes. I mean, he came in. He was a friend of Bobby Wheeler, you know, Jeff Conaway's character. He brought him. And he was so other. And he had worked with Danny DeVito, of course. Chris Lloyd had worked with Danny DeVito in Cuckoo's Nest. So he came in and was so unbelievable as a character that they said, next year, that's yeah. it. He's got to become a regular. It was just such a beautiful show. Do it you, was. Did you know early on that it was going to be so special? Well, I knew from the writing that it was special. For the first four years, I was the only female there, so I would plan my outfit before I went <laughs> to bed every single night. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, I knew it was going to be special uh, because 
the show premiered on September the 12th, 1978. It was a Tuesday. And the following Friday, September 15th, the guys were, all, we were all in New Orleans for the Ali Spinks fight. I had gone there with John Trolt because we were seeing each other at the time, and we had flown there for the fight, and the guys, the taxi guys were all going with our producers. So we were all walking down the street, and Johnny wasn't with us. It was just the cast, and when people started honking their horns and going like, Nardo, Louie, and all this, I thought, oh my gosh. that's it. Our lives have changed. Wow. You know, people really recognized something just special. From, and the fact that episode. we were all together yeah, yeah, from one episode. Incredible. Mm-hmm. In that show, you were the object of Louis' lust, I remember. <laughs> I hope so. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> he's he's so, one of the sexiest people I've ever met yeah. in my entire life. He's adorable, Danny. Uh, fabulous. It's amazing that the show kind of was addressing Me Too issues before it was a thing. <laughs> That's true. At That's the true. time, did you have any doubts about the storyline? I mean, I know things were different for women in, yeah. the, in the show and being the only woman also. But I also felt like I could hold my own and, yeah. and nobody ever got away with anything. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? So I think that, yes, I mean, there were certain things. But, you know, I, I just told this story last night. Uh, at, uh, I was on Gilbert Gottfried's live podcast talking about do, doing my show. And I was he was asking me about being on The Tonight Show. And the very first time I was on The Tonight Show, first season of Taxi, I'm out there. I have a silk blouse on. I walk out and uh, Johnny Carson looks at me. And he goes, oh, it's cold back stage huh okay <laughs> you would never do that now so uh, that felt more like a me too yeah. moment than anything that the guy exactly. you know yeah <laughs> then louis de palma was trying to get away crazy with we've come a long way we have we have um, thank god throughout your career you've played amazingly strong women mm-hmm. from elaine and taxi to ava and evening shade even your most recent Broadway show as Sharon, the MILF, and getting <laughs> the band back together. And mm-hmm. I would say even Marty is oh, yeah. kind She's of that got independent that in sure. Marty in Greece. Yeah. They're never just the wife or the girlfriend. Do you intentionally seek out these parts? Or is it just people see you and they say, well, we got a strong female you, part. It's I don't know whether it's, if it's because I'm the middle child of six kids. And so I was always kind of the swizzle stick. You know, I'm always the organizer. People walk into it, My family goes to a restaurant or a party or comes to my house and everybody wants to know where have you put, you know, where are we sitting? You know, I'm always the cook. I'm, I'm just kind of like the one mm-hmm. with all the energy and organization yeah. here. Um, and so I think, I think people sense a certain energy. And the thing is that when I don't play a character. I think it's something, I, I get a certain kind of energy strength for free, you know, when you think about what people, actors get for free. Like Tom Hanks, maybe the most likable human being on the face of the planet. He gets likable for free, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. I I think maybe they people just cast me as that part. I've never played a character. I mean, I played a character in Carnal Knowledge, the play of Carnal Knowledge years ago at uh, Pasadena Playhouse. And it was the same character that Aunt Margaret played, which was a very vulnerable character. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really dig deep for that one, but I still had a certain energy about me. You've appeared in many Broadway shows. What were some of your favorite parts? Oh, I loved playing Roxy. I did 408 performances of Roxy between doing it on Broadway and doing it in Las Vegas, and that was great. And it was a great job to have at the time because my kids were little enough that I could give them a bath and almost put them to bed and then go to the theater. And then after the theater, I went to an office and wrote a book because I was so energized from all that fossy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, and then would get up with them and... Uh, so that was definitely a highlight, and I loved playing Annie Get Your Gun, and I did that on the road, you know, 22 mm-hmm. cities and uh, 20, yeah, 22 cities in 30 weeks, and then 
I love Tale of the Allergist Wife. I actually got to play that part three times. I did it in Los Angeles, and I also did it in uh, Bucks County with oh, Marsha Mason. In Los Angeles, I did it with Caroline Aaron, who's on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I did it with Real Perlman here on Broadway. Yeah. With Richard Kind, whom I saw last night as well. Oh, my God. Um, so that was <laughs> great. Kine. Yeah, I, I mean, every part has a different experience to it and a different character. Donna mm. in Over Here was a great character, and I got that was the first Broadway show I got to originate a role. Yeah. So all seven of them, they're all great. Barbara and Social Security. I yeah. love to work, so I, yeah. I, 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 I've always, it always seems like the part comes up in my life at the right time for me in my life, something yeah. I feel like I can bring to it. In 2006 and 2007, you hosted the series American's Ballroom Challenge, oh, yes. which was <laughs> kind of like the precursor to Dancing with the Stars in a way. Well, actually, that job, uh, this is what happened. I loved doing that. I got to do America's Ballroom Challenge. And went on, when I went on Entertainment Tonight to talk about that show, they asked me about Dancing with the Stars. And I went, oh, my gosh, I would love to do Dancing with the Stars. Are you kidding? And they used that as the tease on Entertainment Tonight. And the people at PBS got, got that America's Ballroom Challenge got upset with me for saying that. It's oh, like, wow. We're competitive with them. How dare oh, you? No. Blah, blah, blah. So that was it. My job was over. Oh, no. But then you, <laughs> that got, took to me go, years. Yeah, but then you got to go on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, nine years later. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like to go from host to contestant? On well, it was two show? completely different things. And I grew up in a dancing school, so, you know, it was kind of a, an easy fit. Yeah, Dancing with the Stars was... It's really challenging. I sing a song about it and show videos mm -hmm. in my show. And Is sing it a song because about it. they have you dancing all day? Is you that don't have a day off. You do not take a day off unless you want to take one off. And as a competitor, you don't want to take a day off. Right. The pros are so competitive with one another mm -hmm. that you really sort of get on their train in terms of their mentality about the other people, too. So it's, it's a very interesting very interesting experience yeah, all the way around. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. You were also on Celebrity Apprentice. Twice. Twice. Yes. And Live with Kelly, uh, Grilling with the Stars. Um, <laughs> well, I won that. Yeah. Yeah, you won that, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what, keeps, what kept drawing you back to reality TV? Oh, well, no. Grilling with the Stars was just one. Oh, just I a just, one. I, I, yeah, I, I cooked one oh, dish. okay. So Celebrity Apprentice twice. Yeah. Uh, what was the, the draw stars. to be on Celebrity Apprentice? Well, I loved the show when I first saw it. And then I was the first person they called about Celebrity Apprentice because I knew some of the people. And so I know Chuck LaBella, who kind of put the whole thing together. And I knew Mark Burnett. And mm -hmm. I'd met Donald Trump a couple times before that. So they called me, and I loved the show. So I was like, yeah. And I loved doing that show because... I, I love to compete, but I also mm -hmm. love that team that kind of like, okay, yeah. you do this best, I do this best, you do that best, you know. I liked, yeah. I li I liked that process a lot because you're constantly using your brain, uh -huh. and I like to use my brain as much as possible. I think reality TV gets a bad rap because of the more sensational ones, but sure. I love the ones where they're accomplishing things. Oh, like, my gosh. Like Project Runway. Yes. Project I think Runway. that is like the quintessential show. I love that show so much. I would so much. love to be on The Amazing Race. Yes, like, me too. want to do The Amazing me Race? Me too. Right? Oh, my gosh. We are always <laughs> saying in my family, you know, like, which of the siblings, which of the, who, who in the family would you want to team yeah. up with? And even though my husband speaks five languages, yeah. I would not want to be with him. Well, too I, slow. You know, I, I had a friend. <laughs> And I had a friend and we were like, how are we going to get on the amazing race? And we did this outline of 
all the things that they would want. We're like, well, we're complete opposite. So, you know, we're sassy. That's good. We speak these many languages between us. So this is great. This is how we're going to get. No, they had, they had a thing in Central Park where they were taking auditions, but I couldn't, that was the one day I couldn't go. I think I was out of town or something. Well, you can do it um, next time. Yeah, maybe next time. I love that show. But I would love to do that. I also love Top Chef. Yes, top show. But the shows where they're accomplishing something yes, are yes. great. I don't like the ones where you get to yeah. marry a stranger. No. Like, why? I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I hate to say because I adore Andy Cohen, but I'm not a housewife yeah. watcher yeah. either. But I you do know. like when they're, it's a task, they're a team. Me too. They're accomplishing. And you, see, and you see the medal of somebody. Yeah. You know, I love that. And, and even like Dancing with the Stars. It's oh, amazing yeah. It's that great. The, it's live. That, that you learn a dance, especially for people mm-hmm. who have never danced before. Right. And that they would go on TV in front of 7 million people sure. and dance for the first time. That blows my mind. Yeah. So, uh, and get you know. better and better and yeah. have that commitment and everything else. We had sort of an odd year because they had just lost their studio, their big studio where everybody hung out together. So we were all in different places oh. all over town. And I think that the group didn't get to bond as much as you see in the other oh. companies because they now have a designated building. And I, I was the first and only year where they didn't have everybody wasn't together right right kind of oh, that makes sense yeah you hosted a talk show on tv and now oh. you host a radio show no i'm i'm not doing the radio show oh, anymore because i booked like five movies in a row so oh, i found myself okay. carrying my yeti to like hotel rooms and <laughs> trying to book guests at midnight oh my gosh and i thought i can't do this anymore How? also i didn't want to be political so oh and those things are so i guess nowadays it kind of have to be yeah was there a reason that you wanted to be on the other side of the microphone or the talk show? Couch? I love to talk to people. I love <laughs> naturally curious about other people and what they're like. And so, yeah, I always wanted to do that. You are also famously known for your memory. Yes. We all know the episode in Black Mirror where people get a computer implanted so they can rewind their memories. <laughs> I guess I missed Black- that episode because so, I don't have, I don't need it. So <laughs> it's, a, you know, Black Mirror is a Netflix yeah, show no, about of course, of technology. course. And, and there is the one episode where everybody gets a chip so that you can rewind your memory, mm-hmm. what happened to you, and replay it. Right. So that if you're having a fight with your husband, you can project, well, oh this my is gosh. what happened. I do um, this every day. So obviously it doesn't turn out well in Black Mirror. Well, um, but that's why I'm s- on my third and final. <laughs> <laughs> but do you see this amazing memory as a gift? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Yes, always a gift. It's something I was born with. I was a little girl, and they called me the memory girl, memory kid, Miss Memory, Univac, things like that. And so even when you were very little? Oh, very little. Even And people would say, oh, well, tell it to Mary Lou because she'll remember. You know, oh, Mary Lou's the family historian. Tell it to her, you know, things like that. And people would say to my parents, what's with this kid and her memory? She remembers, you know everything about my last time I saw you guys, you know, things like that. So I loved it. I mean, I fell asleep at night saying, what did I do when I was exactly my little brother's age to the day? I do that with my kids. Last night I was, I was doing that. I was thinking, okay, what was I doing to the day when I was my son Nick's age and Joey's age to the day, you know? And Candace Cameron Bray, you know, I do all these Hallmark movies with her. She plays my daughter. But we have the same birthday, years apart. So I'll think, like, what was I doing when I was, oh, this is the day I had two little kids, my kids were three months and uh, 21 months on this day. I was in Phoenix shooting a movie. She had her kids super young. I had mine super old, so they're almost the same ages. And uh, I always say to her, yeah, you'd have a three-month-old right now. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. <laughs> you know, so. That's incredible. I can't yeah. imagine what that feels like, that you can go fish a memory out of your Oh, here's, I, it's, 
It's so incredible. I can't imagine because that's not your being able normal. to do this. That's my normal. That's my normal. Yeah. I sing a song about it in uh, in the show because oh. I talk about it because everybody, more than anything else I've ever done in my entire life, people want to know about my memory. They talk to me about it. They stop me in the airport. They throw dates at me. They and so is it fun? Is it? I'm just curious. Is it photographic or well, is that's it photographic? Facts? So like we were talking earlier about this party that you were at. Yeah. Do you remember, do you see the party? or do I'm you, in the party. You're in the party. I'm in the party. And you see the people? Yeah. Or, wow. Yeah. That's, what they were wearing, what I was wearing. Do you still also remember their names if they tell you their names? Yeah. Or do you they, just I mean, remember they, the like, faces? No. If Well, if I know them and, and stuff, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I usually remember all those little details. Some things come up right away, and then some things might take a little bit longer, and I'll think about them. And, yeah. it's That's it's incredible. You know what's so funny is I, I knew I had the best memory in my family, and then when I was 18, I realized I had the best memory of the people I knew, but I had no idea how rare this is. It's painful to me that people, according to statistics, people remember 8 to 11 events within any given year, and I cannot believe that. That was... Maybe the most shocking thing I learned yeah. about memory through this whole process. Because they it's, wired us. They put us, they, they wired us, they put us through MRIs, they've asked us questions, and they see what fires up. And then they took 300 measurements of our brains, and they found nine areas 10 times larger than the normal oh. brain. But it's and there's really only like 12 of you, right? Well, or there's something like 11 that? of us in this one percent, in this certain percentile, in the 99 percentile, and then the percentiles change. But, mm -hmm. you know, they, they found a few more, but... It's sort of a gradient. Wow. And you also consulted on the TV show Unforgettable, which yes. is a, a woman who has a superior memory. Yeah. What was your role within that show? I was the, uh, well, I was a consultant, so they always sent me scripts, and they would call me and say, you know, and I would comment on the scripts because, I'll give you an example. There was, uh, Jane Curtin played a part in it, and um, she had been kind of a detective years before, and she was a forensic specialist now and stuff. And so she talked about one little girl that she knew. She was talking about knowing this child, and she was carrying a Welcome Back Cotter lunchbox, and this was 1975, blah, blah, blah. And I called them. I said, Welcome Back Cotter didn't go on the air till September of 75, so she wouldn't have a lunchbox that soon. It would have to be 76 that you did that. <laughs> you know. And then another time... The two lead characters, if you remember, they dated in the past. So they were talking about having been at a party together uh, the weekend of July 16, 1999. I called them and I said, you can't have the party that date without Carrie, the character, the Carrie mentioning what was in the news all over the television screens. I said, do you know what was happening that weekend? They said no. And I said, that was the weekend John F. Kennedy Jr.'s plane went down. So that would definitely be something that she would discuss about that party, like it was on television, mm -hmm. or that's what, you know, sort of framework it there. And they said, oh, no, we'll change the date. We don't want to get into all of that. Yeah. But it was things like that. Oh, I was okay. constantly catching things. But I think you could do that for almost every show. Yeah, Because probably. every show, there's probably. scripts with a continuity. Well, now, now it's so easy you know? to find things, too. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So. so you're also an author. Yeah. Most ten of your, books. Ten books. Most of them health and wellness yes. books tell us how you came to that well and, and and these topics and why they're important to you well I lost my parents very young um I was 17 when my father died of a heart attack he was 52 I found myself eating my feelings putting on a lot of weight 
not really, you know, just really in a depression about his death. And then when my mother took ill with arthritis because his death had such an impact on her life and she went from seeming so young and vibrant and teaching dancing, she ended up full-blown rheumatoid arthritis, breaking her hip, ended up losing her leg. I mean, it was horrible. She went, my mother went through so much. She suffered mm. so much because of arthritis yeah. and just unaddressed issues. So when she was in the hospital, and I was auditioning for Taxi, I was going back and forth. When she was in the hospital, I thought, if she gets out of here alive, I'm going to learn everything I can about the human body and save her life. And if she dies, I'm going to learn everything about the human body and save my life and my brothers and sisters. So when she passed away, I became this obsessed student of health. And I went to medical doctors and nutritionists and libraries and the Bodhi tree, if you know what that is in L.A. Mm -hmm. and, Absolutely. And I took human anatomy classes at UCLA. And I put together a program that worked for me. And I ended up forever losing 54 pounds, never went back to the high weight that I was at one time, lowered my cholesterol over 100 points, and just started living this lifestyle, you know, totally plant-based, gave up dairy mm -hmm. products August 15th, 1979, which is what I consider my health birthday, a Wednesday. Wonderful. Oh, and you know, you want to hear something funny? Okay, so I decided to give up dairy products because I went to see a nutritionist who said you should give up dairy. And I thought, okay, well, where do I start? I'll go to the little kind of funky natural food store, Air One. And who do I run into right in front of it as I park my car? Jeff Goldblum. So Jeff <laughs> takes me inside and he walks me around because he was already on a health journey. Wow. And yeah, so see all roads lead to, so yeah, that was August 15th, 1979, Wednesday. So I got into this and I started working with people because once I could cross connect all of the information mm -hmm. that I was reading and absorbing, I thought, okay, I'm going to help other people. And so then I was asked to write a book. I, was, I wrote my first health book while I was doing Chicago, putting on eyelashes at night, making tapes, going, the evils of dairy products. You know? <laughs> and um, the book came out, went on the New York Times bestseller list, and one thing led to the next. I love it. And you've helped so many people uh, with you. that awareness. But you were early, early in the trend with the books and oh, the I lifestyle change. Yeah. In 98, my book came out. And... Uh, when it, it first came out, everybody was shocked that I was talking about no dairy products and things like that, yeah. you know, and, and gluten-free and yeah. all that. Yeah. It's amazing what works for different people, too. Mm. Well, well, we're and, all basically yeah. Yeah. animals that are not supposed to be drinking yeah. the breast milk of another animal. Yeah, I'm not a, a huge <laughs> so. dairy fan at all. And it, to me, it always seemed like, well, I'm not a baby cow. Yeah, I so. know. No. I always say, I always say uh, all dairy is supposed to do is turn a 50-pound calf into a 300-pound cow in yeah. six months. Yeah. So if those are your aspirations, <laughs> hey, knock yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing yoga for a while, and when I started, it was like a magic cure. Yeah. It solved so, so many, many things that I thought were unsolvable. Sure. It, it was pretty incredible, just even that one change in my life. Oh, no. And it, it, it can be, you know, small incremental changes. I always say time is on your side because if you start something now – a year from now, you're going to be so much better. Yeah. You've had an amazingly varied career, stage, screen, author, host, dancer. Is there one area that's your favorite? Oh, besides being a mother, which <laughs> is like my favorite. Um, you know, I love all of it. I, I, I think it's the way I grew up, having so many different businesses in my house. You know, yeah. I, I feel like I have to wear a lot of hats, and I just whizzle stick around and, and do a lot of different things. I, I would hate to feel like I had to give up any of them. 
Is there something you haven't done that you would like to do? Well, it's funny. Two years ago, I said, I want to do another Broadway show, but I want a song on an album. And now I have that. So now I think I want m another Broadway show, but more songs on the album. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? I'm excited. Is there I love being on stage. I think that's, yeah. if I had to pick one medium, that would definitely be my favorite. Is there yeah. a dream role that you have that you would love to play one day? Hmm, you mean that's already been done, like in a revival? Yeah, or, you know somebody um, whose life you'd like to adapt and play <laughs> oh or any think about that yeah maybe that's why it hasn't happened yet because i haven't manifested <laughs> I yeah yeah i don't know i have to think about that i, lo yeah. I love what you just said uh, about manifesting because you gave mm -hmm. us that example earlier where you said oh i'd love to be on dancing with the stars and yes, it happened, and it happened. And oh no i really believe in all of yeah. that you know yes, i mean the universe for things we t for our first episode we talked to the amazing Broadway star Norm Lewis oh, and he was the first African-American phantom but in a way he manifested that yes because he went on uh, on stage at some talk back or some forum and he they said you know what would be your dream role and he said I'd love to play the phantom one day yeah and in the audience were the casting oh. directors oh my gosh and that's great. so I just love it you know you have to put it out into the you world you do you know what I think because I have that personality. I think the part of MAME, it's time for a revival. Mm -hmm. That would be a great part for me. Have yes, that energy. exactly. And I, I love, it, the, I have two sons, so. Making you know. <laughs> things happen for the nephew. Yes. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Your show on March 4th at Fine Science 54 Below. Tell us about how that came about. How did you decide to do a cabaret show? What it's about? All well, of that. It's definitely about my life and it's about different memories that I have. And I right away set up the memory that I have and I sing a little song about it and I take like all the different highlights of my life and sing about it or talk about it or whatever whether it's Greece or Chicago or getting the band back together or taxi or dancing with the stars a bunch of things and so I I wanted to do it and I because I love to tell stories and because I have so many details I thought okay this would be really fun to put into a show and to sort of, mm -hmm. you know, put it out there for people. And so I, I, yeah, it's something I've always thought of doing. And I've done a lot of different benefits and sung different songs for benefits. So somebody said, oh, you should put a show together. So I did. And do you think you might do it again, mm -hmm. not even just here? They've but already elsewhere? asked me to come back because they, mm -hmm. you know, were like yeah, practically of course. sold out. Yeah. yeah. But maybe take it on the road yeah, or do take it, it on, in Well, LA. I'm already booked in um, San Francisco and in um, oh, great. Palm Springs. Oh, fantastic. And, yeah, oh, San Diego. good. So, so we're seeing the world premiere. You're seeing the, you know, what, nothing <laughs> like starting in New York. What happened was I was supposed to do it four other places. I'm doing it in Bucks County too, I think in June. I was supposed to do it at four different places before coming to uh, 54 Below. And I got two movies, so I had to push those dates to the back. Yeah. And so now this is my first. Oh, great. <laughs> nothing so like starting at New York. Yeah, well, we, we love it. That's how, you know, Broadway's show yeah. start. You start in New York and then, and then you take, you it, on take the it on the road. Yeah. Well, Mary Lou, thank you so much for joining this is us so today. Much fun. It's Great been questions. You do your homework. <laughs> it's been really fun to have you. And your show is on March 4th, Fine Science 54 Below. Tickets and info at 54below.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 